Hello, one and all. Welcome back to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast, where we chat about all things natural bodybuilding, training, eating, and all the other stuff that we choose to do with our spare time. You're here with your four co-hosts, myself, Lawrence. We've got Daniel Chappelle, Daniel Yates, and Mr. Jack Radford-Smith. So as we sort of alluded to in some previous episodes, the weekly catch-ups can sometimes be a little bit tedious because as bodybuilders, we tend to do the same stuff each week. So we're going to space those out a little bit more for some variety for you guys. And today we'll get pretty much stuck into just chatting about a few topics that have been on our minds this week, as well as a few listener questions. But we just thought as well, we would give a little caveat at the start of this episode. So we're recording this on Wednesday the 14th of September. And when this comes out next week, the ICN Tropics show would have already taken place. And obviously, we're not able to comment on a show before it has taken place. I have an inkling that Jack can see into the future, but it's not confirmed yet. So we won't be obviously commenting on the show. So if you don't hear us mention it, that's just because we need to wait a week before we do so. And it'll actually be an extra week because we're recording two episodes today. So we apologize, but there will be a full wrap up of some of the shows coming shortly. So boys, I just wanted to start off with asking any of you, have you been affected by the MyFitnessPal price increase or have you ventured off into a a different macro trapping app? Because myself, I've actually ditched MyFitnessPal and I've gone with MacroFactor. Yeah, I had a bit of a crack at you, remember, on Instagram when you yes. posted up your story being like, oh, increase in price. Like now the, all, all, all like the barcode, you can't scan the barcode anymore because of the, you know, it's not a part of your um your normal membership now. And I'm like, mate, how did you get through the majority of your bodybuilding career thus far without <laughs> paying for a subscription? Because there's a few features that you you don't have access to, such as being able to set your goals around specific macronutrient numbers, you know, et cetera. Yeah, that so, never bothered me surprised. though. I didn't honest. really like, I don't really care too much if then like, as long as I can see that it's the right number, I wasn't too fussed by seeing the like, you know, all the zeros at the top at the end of the day. But like, you know, when you said it like that, I was like, you know, this is like the main thing I do with my time. I can probably invest a bit of money into it. And from the little bit of reading that I looked at and kind of downloading Macro Factor and at least just giving it a look, I've been pretty impressed. You know, it's very user-friendly. The data price is pretty comprehensive. Uh, I'm still getting used to it in a sense, like it's not as fast or as easy just because I'm not used to the software and the app. But so far, like I've been pretty impressed with it. What did I say? I said something like, you're willing to pay for a Disney Plus membership, <laughs> friggin' Star Wars, <laughs> but you oh, won't pay I wish for it was just one for uh, MyFitnessPal. <laughs> yeah, and I wish it was just one TV or show subscription service, but it's many, unfortunately. So no, you, you were right there, DC, but I've taken the investment now into my nutritional tracking to make you proud. I'm glad you've started to prioritize your bodybuilding. <laughs> burn, big burn. How, how much is Macro Factor per month? I think it works out to be like $8 something because I think I paid for the whole year and it was, I don't know, like a hundred and something bucks. So not too bad. Big spender. Yeah, well, mate, you know, all the money that we're raking in from the podcast is just going to that, basically. What would you say would be some of the key differentiating pieces in regards to my fitness power versus macro factor? What's the differentiation there? Yeah, well, I think in terms of the overall aesthetic and layout, I think macro factor is a bit nicer to look at, which, you know, that might be neither here nor there for you. I think it's nice because if you're really interested in like the micronutrient stuff, like 
which I'm not really that stressed about. Like that's probably a bit easier to interpret and it's probably a bit more- You've got yourself covered with Fruit Loops. Exactly, mate. You know, I'm, I'm looping the fruit. So I'm absolutely not deficient in any vitamin or mineral. <laughs> but um, no, it, it looks really good. And like, obviously, I'm not sure if the MyFitnessPal Premium gets rid of the ads, but there's no ads, which is nice. And I just think that- it's a bit more user-friendly just in the way it organizes everything. Like the way you can sort of track your weight, you can track all your calories, set your targets. And I've never really delved into the, like the AI coach side of things on either. But from what I can see, it seems to be a lot more sophisticated on macro factor. And it's actually pretty cool because Jack was telling us the other week about this software where you can type in words Mm. and it can draw you a picture. And on macro factor, you can type in your meal and it can like estimate the calories for you, which I think is absolutely wild. I don't know how mm. they do that, but it's pretty impressive. So you in have- the estimation, would you put how many grams of each? Or would you well, just I- say medium-sized banana? Yeah, I think so. Lines, like- yeah, I think you can. I haven't tried it personally. I actually should give it a go just to kind of see how accurate it is. And yeah, but like in terms of the, like, obviously there's always going to be slight discrepancies when you scan the old barcode here and there, but it's pretty easy to just put in like, I guess just grams of everything. Like if you are able to read it and just put in the quantities without making a new product, it's pretty easy to do that as well. So, so far, so good. I've been pretty impressed by it. Macro factor. Can I enter 10 bowls of Fruit Loops yet? How many servings yeah. of fruit in that? Yeah, Zero? it's like Perfect. when you type into the AI, it's like fruit loop bowl the size of my head. How many carbs is this? <laughs> Have any of you tried or were you already on the premium MF gang? For a while I used, uh, I believe Lane Lane has a an app, but it Carbon was- diet, coach. Yeah, it was the app before that though. And I think it was called right. Avatar or something mm. along those lines. And I use that for a little bit. I use that for a couple of months. And I always thought that it's AI- coaching system was quite quite interesting in regards to how they set up. And I was actually just more intrigued about how that worked and what its recommendations were based on sort of X, Y, Z. And um, I would use sort of my own means of being able to track my metrics and I would almost compare it to what the AI was reporting and what I would have done versus it. I was just kind of being a little bit of a sticky big, I guess. But um, no, I've mostly used MyFitnessPal, I guess. Um, but I guess one of the one of the main issues that a lot of people have with MyFitnessPal is the fact that it's a public database, right? So anyone can create an entry. And I guess if that entry is clicked enough, it becomes more popular and it gets shuffled up towards sort of the top of the, the search, the search function. And it may not be the most accurate entry. So do they have anything within macro factor that helps to differentiate between accurate entries or not? Or are you still employ, employing the same sort of principles by cross-referencing labels and potentially referencing websites such as Natab, the food standards website to ensure that their entries are on the more accurate side of things. Yeah, I'm pretty much still doing that. I'm not too sure if there's like a higher barrier. I think you can still add stuff yourself, but to be fair- I love how we're quizzing you when you've just used it for like a day. Oh no, I'm like, (laughs) come on boys. You need to get bloody Trexler on and ask him about it. Have you like- I know some of us listen to Iron Culture. I love the the joke they make about how like the stronger by size, they've just like shilled out and all they do is advertise macro factor, even though they don't. That's like mm. one of my favorite ongoing uh, canon bits from Iron Culture, similar to how they always say that like Danny Lennon's a serial killer. I love that. It's so funny. 
Are they still <laughs> running that joke about uh, Trexler being the guest or has that stopped? Oh, uh, well, no, they kind of, they just, they refer to him in that same way of like, they call him like Aaron or something like that. Like it's not the real Eric and, and stuff like that. Man, I, honestly, I could listen to just Eric and Omar banter for the whole hour, to be fair. I love it. Mm. Sometimes I listen to their banter and I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, <laughs> how is your mind working that you can synchronize these conversations so well, yet perhaps been talking about completely different things at the same time? Yeah, yeah. No, they're awesome. Hey, what about you, DY? Have you used anything else? I haven't. Uh, what's the one that... uh? fellow WMBF pro has Canadian. I forgot his name. He ran, he made his own app as well. Jeff? Jeff Nippard. Yeah, yeah. What's his? I think he likes his macro factor. His macro factor. Ah, there we go. Damn. So I'm going to have to make the shift. But no, nah, I've already, um, I've been using MyFitnessPal Premium for a while now. I have it on like a year subscription, but every time I'm like, all right, I've got to cancel this. I always forget and I just get like this notification from PayPal. Hey, you've just paid for another year. I'm like, shit. Now I forgot it. Now I've got to stick with it for another year. But I've just been using that. One of my clients got it for me as like a, a gift one one year. And it was like a year subscription. I was like, all right, I'll keep it. And then it, now it's never stopped, unfortunately. But I don't know. I was the same as you though, Lawrence. I just remembered everything off by heart, like my numbers and all that. And I just remember, all right, well, I've got to hit 450 carbs today, blah, 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 blah. And, but it does make it a lot easier though, when you do have the premium and I did see my fitness power recently and there are so many ads on that. So when you go from premium to not premium, I don't know, it looks so much different. Yeah. And you Jack, I'm actually not on the premium. Uh, <laughs> no, I see. I knew it. I knew there were others. Look so at him. T's on that money saving plan. And I'm <laughs> telling you, this house has taken him. <laughs> They're crumbling. It's it's one of those things though where like I, I used it in 2013, so like nine years ago. And ever since then, I'm kind of used to the basics. I'm used to what it was like back then when they didn't even have a barcode scanner. So anything uh, anything above that is a luxury for me. So um, Jack's actually been tracking macros and you know he was writing them down in a book and adding them all up at the end of the day. That's how old he is and how long he's I was, been at this. I was writing them on the cave walls. Yeah, exactly. Prehistoric times. <laughs> I remember actually picking up a, a book at like a local magazine uh, news agency and it was actually like a, a calorie counting book. And I used to do something similar. Like I'd have my pen and paper and I would write down certain foods and what their calories might be and rough portions and things like that. And I'd try and sort of calculate things before I knew my fitness power was actually a thing. So yeah, it's crazy to think how much things have changed over the years. Mm, and it's wild because like it's never been in essence like easier to have control over that but then you know it's still such a you know pervasive issue with like you know obesity and, and diabetes and, and stuff like that so it's pretty wild but obviously that's the extreme end of the spectrum but i couldn't imagine like trying to do this without having that kind of technology like i, I suppose that's where probably the meal plans were just easier because at least you just knew you were decreasing quantities of stuff rather than needing to get too in the weeds about like you know, do I drop out my 15 mils of sweet chili sauce tonight? Yeah, absolutely. How am I going to add my uh, my protein pancakes into this into this meal? What am I going to need to sub out my chicken and broccoli? Yeah, exactly. I actually had a funny story as well, boys. So I was training pool yesterday at NRG, which is the, the gym in Lota that I train at. And as a bit of a background to this story, I'm not great with like colors and stuff like that. So I'm not colorblind. Like I can see the colors around me, but I'm not good 
at differentiating some colors when they're like close to another one. And sometimes like a really light green looks a bit like yellow to me. So I'm sort of walking around the gym, I'm looking for like a pull down bar and we've just gotten these new, what I now learn are green pull down bars. And I was like to the owner, I was like, mate, like I'm looking for the neutral bar, like the yellow one. Have you seen it around anywhere? And he goes, I don't know, mate, like we've never had a yellow one. And then I'm just like, oh no. And I like sent Gemma a photo on messenger. I was like, this is green, isn't it? And she's like, yep. I was like, oh. And I played it off and I don't think he sort of realized like, hey, this guy doesn't actually know what color this is. But yeah, that was a bit of a, an embarrassing moment yesterday. So, you know, your your general muscle logo is actually yellow, right? Is that, did what? You realize that or? I thought it was <laughs> burgundy and, and turquoise. There's no colors in his Fruit Loops bowls. They're just all the same. Yeah, they look like yeah, Nutri-Grain. I'm just like, oh no, all gray again. It's like that from Family Guy. <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, that's um, that's sort of all about eventful that happened to me. Anything from you boys? Not like a full catch up, but anything of note? Uh, I'm deloading. That's about it. So, oh, oh Jack, also, next. I noticed you don't follow very many people on Instagram. No, I don't. <laughs> Very, because I, I, I don't know, I was on your account for some reason. I was like, wow, Jack only follows like 200 and something people. So if you're mm. out there, you're in elite company. Um, Jack doesn't even follow the three of us. So you're pretty fortunate. <laughs> I don't even follow Sierra. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't really have an answer for that. Like I, I guess I don't want to offend people by saying I only follow people I'm interested in because I'm sure there are people I don't follow who I would be interested in, but I think it's it's not really something I pay much attention to, to be honest. Just treat him mean, keep him keen, you know. <laughs> Guess our content isn't good enough for him. Good, good rule of yeah. there, yeah. Dy checks his phone straight away. Does this guy follow me? Yeah, Rick. <laughs> Were you guys like? Did you always like? If I scrolled back far enough in all your Instagrams, would it slowly morph into like a normal person Instagram? Because I have a separate instagram account where i post like i don't know just like private life stuff general grievous mate yeah Shh, jack come on now that's for friends <laughs> yeah. and family yeah no um do you guys have like do you have that in your instagram like if i went back far enough would i see a picture of dy in the club just like chewing on <laughs> some gum and, and got a, like a vodka lemonade in his hand uh, if you'd probably go on my Facebook, you'd probably see some photos from ages ago. But other than that, not on my Instagram. I didn't create my Instagram until after I was probably done. Once I started getting into fitness and taking it quite seriously is when I made the Instagram and then it went from there. Same here. Yeah. 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 I'm probably similar as well. I had like my own personal personal page, which I had a while back, but I've just never used it really ever since. Like I started this Instagram page and that was more just on my training page, I guess and business page and organically i've just used instagram less for personal reasons really so i just don't really use the other one i think it's probably even deactivated to be honest i don't yeah i don't really pay much much attention to it I'll my, my personal life kind of is my gym life anyway it's kind of morphed <laughs> into one these days yeah i think that's probably most of the case for a lot of people like i i barely use the other one like if there's a significant event you know i'll, I'll throw something up but it's very very rare at this point um, but yeah, other than that, boys, I reckon let's jump into some questions to any of the listeners who put them in. Thank you very much. Um, some really just amazing questions. I think there's some really keen listeners, avid fans of the bodybuilding down under podcast out there. So appreciate them. They know who they are. 
So let's get into the first one. Thoughts on competing naturally every year. Mr. DC, I'll throw it over to you first, mate. I think this is going to be somewhat dependent on what what category you compete in. Um, I'd say for men's men's bodybuilding and I'd say even men's classic physique and potentially maybe even physique as well. Uh, even fitness, these guys are getting exceptionally, exceptionally lean. So, and then if we look at the women's categories, you know, figure, women's bodybuilding, uh, women's physique, I think the, 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 the categories that require much higher levels of conditioning, uh, just, it's just much, much harder to recover from that in an appropriate duration whereby you could then compete the following year. Uh, I think for majority of competitors, I think it's a rarity that someone could jump on stage the following season or perhaps the following year and bring a improved physique within such a short time frame, depending on their training status as well. So obviously we know there's a point of diminishing returns by which we're more, um, our, our likeliness of making further improvements further down the line in training as our training age increases, decreases as well. So that coupled with still in the recovery process post-show and then sort of getting straight back into a next comp prep within a, such a short time. I just, I don't think it's incredibly viable, um, but I would say for some divisions, maybe bikini based on the uh, the federation itself, perhaps not IFPB bikini because these girls are very, very lean. Um, swimwear potentially, you may be able to get away with competing a little bit more regularly, but I think it's also going to be based on the individual and how well they handle their recovery post-show. Um, I look, I reflect on myself and there's no way I could compete the following, the following year as a, as a bodybuilder again, probably didn't feel fully recovered post-show until probably a good four months or something along those lines. So I don't think that's the, the, the great, uh, a great opportunity to then jump on stage and I'm just really getting recovered. <laughs> what do you boys think? Yeah, I completely agree. I'm similar lines to you. Uh, I would say I took about four months as well to recover and then, then you have to kind of regain some of the muscle that you lost, um, which is fairly inevitable for most people. Like you're going to lose a tiny bit. Um, and then you have to build new muscle until you're significantly different to your previous stage showing. And then by that point, you're probably too far gone to, to start a comp prep to compete the next year. So that's, that's my opinion. Um, but what do you guys think? I think if you're chasing meaningful improvements in your physique, then competing every year is pretty much like is a no go. Cause like you were saying, like you're going to be dieting for probably six months of it. And then the other six months you're going to be what maybe building a lot of it's going to be recovering. There's going to be really no time for actual growth. The only way you could probably ever warrant competing again within the same year is if you are so close and maybe you messed up, maybe you didn't get lean enough and you know that you have a pro worthy physique or something along the lines of that. And you just need to bring it in a little bit leaner then you might be able to warrant it. That being said, like even doing bodybuilding again within the year would be extremely hard. Even if you weren't lean enough the first time around, by the time you recover and then you dig deep for 30 weeks, 28 weeks, like that, that's a slog. And you would pretty much get nearly no days off for about a year and a half as well. Like it'd be, you'd need to be pretty on point with your post-comp nutrition as well. Well, DY, I'm hashtag no days off anyway, bruv. So don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? <laughs> well, Lawrence is going to compete 2023 and then 24 with me. That's the plan. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then 25 with me. Let's do that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cool. And, and let's see the case then, study. I will have no testosterone left, so I will retire. <laughs> you just switched. I'm standing there like... Point. Sorry? 
You just switched to IFBB at that point. Well, good mm-hmm. call. And I mean, good segue, because I just think, I know the, the listener question specifically said naturals, but it's probably just a good reminder to people out there, like the people who you see competing each year and you're like, oh, well, they're still making progress. Probably a decent chance they're on PEDs because obviously they've got the pharmaceuticals to assist with actually, you know, gaining muscle when they're perhaps not in the most optimal state of, of body composition and stuff like that. Before we go to the next question, just a quick sidebar. Jack, the barber has done you favors, mate, because the beard is looking sensational. Thank you. Yeah, I, I went to a different barber today, so it uh, paid off. Yeah, superb, mate. Looking great. Um, on some more serious topic, next question says, should bodybuilding be the first division of the day? Yeah, so I, I saw the second part to this, and it kind of said, since bodybuilders typically look better in the morning. Or no, sorry, they typically look flattest flattest in the morning um which i'm not sure if i'd agree with i'd i'd potentially say that being having your show in the morning is a bit more reliable than having it in the afternoon especially since you should you should already be carved up by the time it's show day like if you're trying to carve up last minute on show day it's potentially a little bit too late and you haven't kind of followed the correct peak week protocol so i don't think it's our kind of call either i personally like getting it done early because one of the things I really disliked last season I competed was getting doing my bodybuilding in the morning and then having to wait for like six hours for my classic physique I was absolutely wrecked at that point in time Um, so I personally really enjoy like getting there where it's nice and early like not the whole backstage area isn't filled out with people and um, just uh, getting the bodybuilding done in the a.m. I would agree with you, hey, on, on that one. I think the the whole premise that perhaps we're flattest in the morning of the show maybe precipitates the fact that if you're if you're relying just on your morning as your carb up, then then maybe that's the case. But I guess if you've somewhat topped up in the days preceding that, such as having maybe you've had a couple of high days before you move into your show day, you would hope that at that point you're 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 at a position by which you're adding carbohydrates on the morning of the show it might just be adding that extra 0.5 percent something along those lines to assist in that you know tightness fullness axis so i i mean i reflect on my show day and and i definitely found benefit in having my show early my show early or my 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 stage showing early because i was then the follow here there the following day for the for the women's category and you're there until you know crazy hour of the night and i'm like wow like these competitors they're they're having to compete so late in the day and it's just a lot of sitting around waiting. So I'd certainly prefer to have the, the show earlier if I, if I had that opportunity. So I'm, I'm in the same camp as you, Jack. I know a lot of competitors, if you were to ask them where they would rather be, they'd rather be competing on the first half of the day. I've had clients competing at like 5 p.m. in the afternoon for their first div, and they're just sitting around waiting for like six, five meals deep worth of food, just like trying to top up and they're just sitting there waiting. So me personally, I would always like to compete on the first half of the day, get it over and done with. And like you boys were saying, if you've topped up on carbs and you've done the peak week correctly, you shouldn't have any issues. Just 100 grams, probably even prior, maybe 150, 200, depending on what, what time you're on, and you'll be topped back up again in no time. Yeah, and also like for bodybuilding in particular, where we're wanting to see as much detail in the legs. Like obviously, we got told you don't want to be on your legs a ton on show day. So if you're a bodybuilder getting on stage at 3 p.m., it's like the whole day where you can't really be moving around a whole lot. 
Whereas if your first stage showing is like 9am or 10am, at least like you really can't have that much fluid or fatigue accumulate in your legs um, by that stage anyway. So I, I think it is a good thing that the bodybuilding gets done early because, you know, you want people to look their best. And I think that for the more muscular divisions, we're probably going to see, you know, people be their best with less variables and less waiting throughout the day and stuff like that. Mm. Do you guys do the whole legs up thing? I know BK loves it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely, I definitely put my legs up and I definitely recommend a lot of my athletes have their legs up. Yeah. I'm actually, I think it's also just as a means to reflect and say, Hey, just get off your feet. So just get off Mm. your feet, relax, put your feet up. It's sometimes even just an expression that you say, put your feet up, you know, chill out. Like it's, uh, there's two, 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 two premises to that recommendation. I think taken very literally. Yeah, yeah, I'm bringing an inversion table next season, so I'll be upside down <laughs> for as long as possible. And then as soon as it's stage time, let's go. But you, one you of those want... adjustable massage tables, like, and you'll be yeah, on like yeah. a 45 degree angle, ankle cuffs on too. You want to keep your spine as neutral as possible prior to getting and, you up know there. and decompress that spine as well. You know, you <laughs> all right. Next one, boys. What is the most nerve-wracking part of comp day? Jack, take it away. Interesting question. It just it depends on the individual, I think. And I think maybe if they are if they know they're very competitive and they're going to be erring for that like first place, then I guess that's something to be quite nervous about. But then for someone who's a first-time competitor, they've never competed before, the the, the thought of getting up on stage in front of potentially hundreds of people in their underwear, like that's pretty, pretty damn nerve wracking, isn't it? So reflecting on my first experience, um, I think the most nerve wracking part for me was probably like, am I any good at this? Cause I had no idea. Like I, I remember like following some of the guys who I was going to be up against and, and thinking they looked great. They had more muscle than me. And uh, I ended up kind of for that first show, like winning, pretty much every category I I went in under other than the overall. And I was super surprised at that. Like I never really had any expectations, um, but that was kind of the most nerve wracking part for me. Um, I wasn't particularly concerned about getting up there in, in the energy string or anything else. That's, that's just me. I think at that point, like I'm so low in energy that I just don't have enough energy to dedicate towards being nervous about that stuff. I'm sure you guys potentially the same. Mm. When yeah, I was you, exact same. <laughs> yeah, you, you go DC. You can answer this one as well. Jack, I've got a sub question for you. I'll ask it after. No, I was just gonna say the same thing. I feel like I didn't even have energy to be to be nervous. And although I was a hell of a lot more topped up than the weeks preceding that, you know, based on a bit of the depletion there. But I found the most no- nervous aspect to it was probably the waiting around aspect, which probably feeds into the question that you had before in that if i had more time to sit around and wait and think about my divisions up and coming i may have been potentially more nervous about them but i think because they were they was essentially you know first up i had less time to to worry about them in that sense but yeah probably similar to you jack am i any good am i going to be posing well am i going to get some sort of like not necessarily stage fright but like am i going to transition well between my poses are they going to showcase in the way that I think they're going to show? Am I going to look, you know, am I holding my hand in a bit different place to what I thought it was? My proprioceptive awareness is a little bit off on the, on the, on the day, like just little things like that. But yeah, I think, like you said, it's going to be pretty individualized to the person. Hopefully that you're not a person that fears like tripping over as you get on stage or something like that, which I've never had, but um, yeah, 
that's kind of where I would put it at. It's like every bikini girl's worst nightmare walking on stage and then mm. tripping in their bikinis. It's like, oof. Uh, I'll go for my last one. My last comp probably was when I was like in the audience, like watching the divs pride that were my division, like the first timers and stuff like that. Um, just seeing them. And I'm like, wow, these guys do look quite good. And there were some guys that were also winning the divs that were actually a little bit larger than me. So then I was like sitting there and then I'm like, am I big enough? Like, and it runs through your head when you start seeing these things in previous divisions, like when DC competes next, he might have someone in a different height class that looks really good. And then might feed it. Whoa. Like, you know, he's a little bit more stockier. Can I beat him? And it's like, that kind of ran through my head a little bit, but then I was like, well, you know, I'm here now. I've just got to do what I got to do. And it obviously worked out, but like, you know, seeing previous divisions and seeing how everyone's placing. And then, you know, maybe if you might not have something that they have, that's what got to me. I was like, well, these guys are a little bit bigger, but in the end, I guess they wanted a more physique like mine for fitness. But yeah, it's just one of those things. I was just analyzing myself backstage against everyone else. And that was uh, quite nerve wracking, I guess. Maybe yeah. even what the judges are going to prioritize on, on the mm. day as well, in a way, because you know, obviously you've got various different individuals with different heights, different different genetic structure, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what is the judge going to you know, award on the day? So that would sometimes run run through my head a little bit. But again, I wouldn't let myself get too nervous about it because it's not something that I could control. Yeah, that's what I had to like, I guess, reassure myself once. Like everyone was like, you know, they were placing how they were placing. It's like, well, it's like, I'm here now. It's like nothing else I can do about it. I pose how I've been practicing and you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, because I guess there's like the different, well, like Jack was kind of saying, there's different ways that reasons you could be nervous. Like the first timer, it's new. They've never done this before. Nervous about, you know, displaying a lot of their body to a room full of people. And then as you start to get a bit more competitive, it's like, you know, nervous because you want to do really well. So it's like, you're not nervous to be in front of people, but you just want the result to go your way. But then maybe it's like, there's instances where you're not nervous because you know, it's going to go your way. Like Jack, with your, like when you did classic, like I thought that, you know, the victories were pretty resounding. So like when you were standing mm -hmm. up there in classic and like a few of the divs before the overall had gone your way, were you like, I'm going to win? Did you know you were going to win? Uh, I would or like to were you say at least very confident that you were going to win. I would like to say yes, but because that would imply that I was like confident and I, I, I think confidence is good, but no, in all honesty, I, I wasn't thinking too much about winning. Like I was just thinking about, and this sounds super cliche, but I, I honestly wasn't thinking too much about it because I sort of had the mindset for competing where I'm going to bring a physique worthy of doing well, but I can't control whether I get first or second, et cetera. And I say the same thing to AJ. Well, I have in the past, we both agree that the goal for my next season to step on stage is being pro worthy, but it's not going to say to become a pro because although that would be awesome, I can't control whether I turn a pro, I can control if I'm pro worthy. So that's kind of the mindset I had um, uh, with classic physique as well. What about you in your season, D.Y.? Uh, I would actually have one question for you. When you were going up against Caden, remember, remember when you were both? It was like it was going to be you and him for the overall. Did you have any nerves pumping through you? Like, because obviously he wasn't as lean, but he was very stocky and very large. And like, I would say it would be very close between you two. And then it was like kind of the overall, I believe, where you actually met and you were like, had to battle it out. Were, were you, were you 
shaking in your boots when you were going up against him because you knew it was going to be a hell of a battle. And I think you did too. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know. I tried to put the week before, like where I won the INBA kind of out of my head because I was like, you know, there's going to be more people at the INCN show. It's going to be a bit more competitive, the deeper lineup. So, you know, no expectations. I'm just going to go there and do my best. And it was only when Joey like came up to me when we were pumping up for the overall and he was like, dude, like you're in this, like go up there and do your absolute best because it's between you and him. Like one of you, one of you two are going to get the overall. You haven't competed against each other in the divs. So this is it. Like this is for the win basically. And even like, cause I've still got the video where they're like sort of announced my number and stuff. And like, I just remember at that moment, like I just kind of wasn't thinking anything. I was just like, it's done. What happens happens. And, you know, it just happened to go my way. But I wouldn't say I was particularly like, this is mine. I've got this guy. Like I've got him in the pocket. It was more just a matter of like, I'm just going to give it absolutely everything here. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely close. He's looking awesome this year, man. Mm-hmm. Like I think that um, I have no idea who his previous coach was or if he was coaching himself, but I think that working with Joe has definitely been a good formula. He's um, he's looking really good. I think he's going to do really well this year. Yeah, there's a couple of great bodybuilders, him included. He's mm. uh, I've only seen him from what Joey's posted, but he's certainly a big boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he like he's just super muscular. Hey, like, and I guess that's like <laughs> he's a big sixty-two kilos. He's that's a big thing, like, sixty-two kilos. I had no yeah, idea like, he was sixty-two. I was yeah. like in a, in a, in the eighties. That's what I mean. Because like I'm like a head taller than him. Like when I looked at some of the photos, like I didn't actually realize how much taller I was. And I think that sometimes does play into the illusion. Like when that's kind of like the bumpstead effect as well. Like because Chris is like six-two, when he stands next to someone who's like you know. Five eight or five nine, he just looks so much bigger than them, like mm. as a bigger human. Whereas, you know, Caden, although he's probably more muscular than me in terms of the way he fills out the frame, I guess it's it's all about weighing that stuff up, and that's where the condition comes in, and, and blah blah blah. But um, yeah, Dy, answer the question sort of in terms of how you felt, and then I'd be interested to hear um, DC as well because there was probably like more caveats to his situation going into when he won his card. How, how I felt when I won the card. Yeah, well, not necessarily how you felt when you won the card, but like, were you confident? Were you like, yeah, this is this is mine. I'm pretty pretty confident. Because I remember like when you won it, like you did like a bit of a, yeah, like type thing. And I love yeah. that. Like, I thought it looked really <laughs> cool, but like. Well, it was funny that you say that because when I was walking there, I was like, well, I've got to do something to say that I've won the card. So it was like something in my mind. I was like, shit, I won it. Well, now I've got to do something. And that's why I did like that. Yeah. Um. But I would say I was quite confident. I knew it was going to be between me and the Korean, probably in the overall. Um, I know he had like that kind of shape, but I, I was quite confident. I thought that I had him like, and so I don't know. I can't really say much more. I was confident. I knew that I knew pretty much that I was probably, I had every box ticked more than anyone else that was on that stage. And I felt that I was deserving of the title probably more than anyone else, despite what I think they've done and whatnot. I don't think there could have been anything else that was left in the tank stepping on that stage. So that's why I was so confident, but I knew it was going to be close between me and him. Yeah. Nice. And what about you DC? Cause obviously you went into the ICN Brisbane show coming off, you know, not getting the overall that you wanted up at Tropics. So like, where was your head at? Mm, yeah. So I think I went into the Tropics show maybe a little bit too relaxed, a little bit too chilled. Um, 
I remember getting some feedback from one of the judges saying like, I needed more oomph from your poses. Like I needed more sort of energy to give out in your posing. And I think I just displayed a very kind of relaxed and chilled, chilled vibe and, and physique on stage. And I think what I needed was a little bit more, you know, not yelling out sort of thing, but obviously a little bit more, um, yeah, oomph, oomph to my posing in a sense. And coming second in the overalls and the tropics definitely lit, lit a fire to bring, bring a different physique for the following week. And we know that we had some work to do in relation just, just to refining my conditioning a little bit. And, um, and just peaking me a little bit differently as well. I needed to come in a little bit tighter. I was definitely full, but um, I just wasn't, wasn't as tight as I needed to be. And um, yeah, so sort of depleted for the rest of that week. And then I definitely came into the Queensland show with a different mindset. Like I was there to win as opposed to I was there to participate in tropics. Um, so yeah, I remember being backstage for the overalls and pumping up with B. And I remember turning to B and basically being like, the card's mine. Like I had the card. It's there's no chance that I'm not winning the card right now, and I won the card. So it's it's not you know I wasn't trying to be cocky or anything like that or have an ego or anything. But I just I wanted to believe in myself so much that I could get it that that I wanted to make make it a reality in a sense. You know. So that's just the self talk that I needed at the time to to perform on. Uh, you know when I needed to perform, and. Um, it's kind of a little bit different to what I would generally approach competition like in, in, in the past, maybe I'm a little bit more blase and kind of relaxed about it. But at this time, like having to, to provide that sort of mindset, that's, it, it served me well. So probably need to employ that more in the future when I jump on stage. I love that. I love hearing stuff like that. Cause I don't know about you guys, but like, I almost wish there was a little bit more direct head to head in bodybuilding. Cause like I miss that about more conventional sports where it's like, you're directly competing with someone. Like if, like when I was playing cricket, it's like, you've got a guy trying to bowl fast, trying to hit you in the body, trying to get you out. Like you're in direct competition with someone. And I kind of wish there was just a little bit more of that. Like, you know, it's me versus you. Like, even if it's just like, you know, a bit, a bit of banter on stage, like, you know, you're turning around for the, the rear double and you, you lean over to the guy next to you and you're like, you're no chance here. Like you're, you're fighting for second on this shot. Like, I love that like competitive aspect. And like, you don't have to be a dick about it, but I just, I, I kind of wish there was a bit more spice sometimes. I could just see Lawrence in that little back channel before you're about to go on stage. just like whispering to the guys, man, you look flat as fuck. That KFC <laughs> didn't work for you last night. Did, did you just not get the chips with it? Did you not get the chips? Damn. Did you even pump up? I could just see Lawrence is throwing all this shade backstage. Just go and do an Arnie and just start hiding everybody's stuff backstage. So it starts freaking them out. Like, yeah, where's exactly. my shirt? Where's my... <laughs> just cutting through everyone's resistance bands yeah, yeah exactly it's the only one there but and then puts like lawrence on their dumbbells no these are mine look at these we've got lawrence got the lawrence sticker on there no get your own oh geez i love it <laughs> um all right we've got one here fascinating question I'm, I'm sure there'll be some divisive opinions here reverse diet or just go all in well, just I think, eat all the food in, listen to your in- hunger cues and go for it we need more context, I think. Do you want to decide on the context, Lawrence? Um, okay. Well, let's just say post show, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming I'm assuming post show. So should someone do a meticulous reverse diet where they step up, you know, they're adding 13 grams of carbs per week and still trying to stay shredded, or should they sign up for a 14 day cruise and just listen to their hunger cues? <laughs> what do you reckon? 
I, as long as let's, if we, I mean, we can't really disregard like uh, disordered eating or eating disorders. Like if we do disregard the emotional aspect of it, I would definitely say all in. I think that's honestly better for your health than reverse dieting after a show. Any other context, and I'd say no. Like any any other context where you're starting off at a healthy baseline of body fat would be no. I'd probably reverse diet. Um, but I think post show, you're probably honestly better off going. If I only had to choose between those two, then all in, you would recover faster than reverse dieting, in my opinion. As a coach, you probably wouldn't recommend going one way too much or the other way, would you? No. You wouldn't just say to your competitor, hey, for the next week, I want you to eat KFC every single day, you know, a bucket, a bucket meal or whatever, like go for it. <laughs> and then on the same token, I'm unlikely to say to my competitor, yeah, tomorrow we're just going to increase your carbs by 10. You know, hopefully you'll, you'll still be okay. Like we'll slowly reverse up. It's going to take us six months to get back to where you were before. I mean, if B said that to me, I'd fucking flick him to be honest <laughs> i'd be like yeah mate this is not gonna fly i'm gonna take my own recovery for a spin mm. to be honest so because it, yeah it, I, I, what were you gonna say sorry well I was, it, it annoys me because it, it almost like gives the impression that reverse dieting is good like some coaches imply that post bodybuilding show but it's actually not a good thing it's it's equally as i think it's worse than going all then because it's just I delaying yeah. delaying the recovery yeah it depends because you you do have merit for both. Like obviously now, if you're doing a bodybuilding competition and you're bodybuilding shredded, then the recovery diet's probably the best way. And I think the way that a lot of people do go. Now, if you're a first time bikini competitor and you're nowhere near bodybuilding condition, well, I hope you're not. If you're doing bikini div, then there there is a little bit more of a, I guess like I don't want to tell a girl that's like 21 years old, hey, let's go recovery diet, fucking all you can eat, like. I think there is a little bit more where the reverse diet can come into play there, especially since they're already at a decent body fat percentage where, you know, if you're at 3%, like reverse dieting out of that for 20 to 30 weeks is going to be absolute nightmare. I guess it also depends on how, 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 how much, how severe is their symptoms of reds, right? Mm. Relative energy deficit in sport. So, and we know that like people can adopt symptoms of reds at various body fat levels. Mm. right so a lot of the bikini competitors in let's say for example icn and inba and nba uh, although may not be as you know not, obviously not as lean as a, a male bodybuilder counterpart or a counterpart of a women's physique athlete they still very much will be will be potentially experiencing symptoms of reds and maybe they need to bring up their their weight by mm -hmm. five ten percent of above stage weight to in order to remove that reds and so I would still be of the premise for an individual that is experiencing symptoms of reds. Hey, maybe a recovery diet is more ample for this individual as a means of, of reducing these symptoms. Um, but by, by sort of, I guess that the, the, the relative severity of perhaps the recovery process may just be a little bit less than perhaps what a, what a, what a bodybuilder might, might employ, but I'm still of the premise of a recovery diet for, for most, uh, most physique athletes. But the protocol is obviously going to look very different for each individual. Yeah, I think it's also interesting how we always assume that like every single competitor is, let's say they're a bodybuilder, they're completely diced to the socks in terms of conditioning. When how many bodybuilders step up there? Although it is getting more and more competitors, there's more and more competitive. There still are plenty of competitors who get up there in, in poor condition and they could quite easily reverse out of that condition like the glutes are still very soggy they don't have any striations etc they're kind of like beach lean but it does I, that's kind of just playing devil's advocate it does make sense to tailor this more so towards people who achieve excellent conditioning 
there's mm. so many factors with it. I think like, you know, you've got how many calories they're on. Like I've had fitness girls end up on stage and like the last four weeks, them leading in the sto- show, they were on like 300, 350 grams of carbs. Like you're pretty much nearly reverse dieted, like out from that point, apart from like, obviously your body fat percentage. Um, like, you know, you got your divisions as well. How long you've been dieting for, are you showing any signs of red S. So there's multiple little factors that I think will, you know, go into which way you decide. But I think if you're a bodybuilder and, you know, you're extremely lean and you've been dieting for a long time, probably just getting out of that condition with that, like recovery diet, it's probably going to be the best bet for about 99% of the bodybuilders. You, um, obviously being, being a dietitian, you'd know a lot about like refeeding syndrome, for example. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, so, so basically refeeding syndrome for like the listeners is like fatal shifts in, um, electrolytes within, within the body that can actually result in, in death for some, for some individuals. And it usually proceeds someone who is like extremely anorexic, extremely deprived of nutrients and extremely low levels of body fat, um, and mus- musculature that can result when someone goes back into a feeding state, it can actually pass away due to these, um, these, these shifts. And I think to a degree, some bodybuilders can actually get, get slight refeeding syndrome from, from some of the introduction of food, particularly being very, very aggressive with food post-show. So all of a sudden introducing massive amounts of glucose back into the bloodstream where perhaps the, 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 the essential, you know, um, chemicals required to, uh, catabolize or, or use those carbohydrates is, is, is very much down regulated. And you can actually get competitors that get like edema in their ankles. They get a little bit of like maybe a shortness of breath, for example, so they get in puffiness through like their neck and, uh, lymph nodes, for example, like this is actually a real thing in some competitors. And it even happened to me as well. Not, not to a massive degree, but I did experience some swelling around like my ankles, things like that. And I know of a few competitors that have shown me photos and like, it looks like they've, yeah, it looks like they're, uh, they've basically got cankles. Their, their ankle is the same size as their bloody calf. So, you know, I think, although it's, it's unlikely that a bodybuilder will result in full refeeding syndrome and, and essentially die from the introduction <laughs> of foods, <laughs> um, you can get some symptoms from, from introducing food way, way too quick. Mm. And I think as a coach, that's, all, that's often why we need to, you know, introduce things with than a safe, safe amount for that, for that very reason. Mm. Uh, so it's a fine line. It's a really balancing act as a coach post-show. Yeah. I think you're, I'll let you go, Lawrence, actually. Oh, no, I was just going to say DC. Have you heard of anyone being hospitalized as a bodybuilder? No, no I've I, never heard of someone being hospitalized. I've heard, I, well, it's I've a bit of say, but I, I've heard of one person who we know, but I obviously won't say it out here, mm. but I think I've heard mm. of one example. Maybe yeah. I know. Maybe I know who that person is as well. Then, but um, yes, I've, like I've heard of many competitors that have had these sorts of symptoms mm. to various various degrees, um, including myself. Nothing ridiculous, but I remember to remember waking up one day and being like, "Wow, ankles are really puffy. What's going on here?" And sort of feeling a bit strange. And um, I'm like, oh, "Maybe I do have some sort of like very minor ref- <laughs> refeeding syndrome or something like that." And I was I wasn't like going balls to the wall with my food either. I was just like having a bit of fun for a couple of days, right? It wasn't like going ridiculous, but some competitors who do, you know, there are some, um, I guess, potentially harmful effects of increasing food very, very quickly post-show. There's also something called dumping syndrome as well, 
which kind of says what it means. If you eat, you have like a sudden onset of osmotic gradient, um, then like it'll kind of all go out the other end, which fortunately hasn't happened to me, but it's, it's something that occurs post-show potentially too, for the same sort of reason. Mm. You say dump truck syndrome. Because <laughs> I think DC's got a bad old case of that. Dump truck. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, boys. I'm being conscious of, of where the time's at for us because for you, dear listener, you're going to wait a week to hear our lovely monotone voices again. But for us, it is mere minutes because we're about to jump on for another recording. So we'll leave it there for now. Thank you to all of you for tuning in, boys. Any last things to add? No, no I think we're all pretty good. Very good silence from the lads. But thank you all for tuning in. I hope that you all have a great week. And yes, I know this is being recorded after, but we hope that everything went down well at the ICN Tropics and we're looking forward to covering that in a couple of weeks for you. So once again, leave a rating review on your podcast platform of choice, take a screenshot, tag the bodybuilding down on the page and tag us if you're interested as well. And we'll catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.